All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're doing a really new movie. A lot of the times it's, you know, a week or two old or something, but First Man just came out, and I'm glad we are uh, able to cover it so quick. So go see it in theaters. But before we get into that, uh, I just want to remind you, make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Pocket Casts, on a whole bunch of different podcast apps. Go subscribe on whatever one you enjoy listening to podcasts on. And you could also rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. And you can join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group, to get involved with the conversation. So, with all that said, uh, we got a long episode today, so we might as well jump right in. I've got returning co-host Brian Garth with me to talk about Damien Chazelle. Neil Armstrong epic biopic, which isn't really a biopic, but it's kind of a biopic. It's First Man. It stars Ryan Gosling, and it is uh, one of the big, awaited, exciting movies of the year. Um, Despite the flaws we found with it, I would not be surprised to see this as a big contender at the Oscars uh, next year. Um, And critics are loving this movie. And, you know, surprisingly, uh, it's not doing as well as I would have expected at the box office, but you should go see it. Despite anything we're about to nitpick, you should go see it because it's a great theatrical experience. So anyway, let's get into the conversation about First Man. Welcome to uh, Piecing It Together. I'm your host, Brian Garth, and I am joined this episode with guest Dave Rosen, who uh, is actually, for most most of the listeners are aware, that he has actually guest appeared on every episode thus far. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Thanks you know, for I just enjoy doing day. it, so you know, I'm glad that you keep having me back. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I appreciate your appearance on the show because... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's I can te- only make it twice to my own show. Technically, it's an audio show, so I don't think it's really an. Ap- would it still be an appearance? Yeah, you don't see me. You, you, uh, the audience doesn't see you. I see you though when you okay. appear at my home to yeah. record our show. This is like holographic, <laughs> graphical. So, uh, you ready to talk about First Man? Yeah. Do you want to just talk about it, or do you got an intro? Do you got to do? No, I don't got to do any intro. I usually put the intro in after. So, I mean, we could just kind of jump right in if you're good. First man. Jump in, Dave. Yeah. Well, you're going to be the first man to do a puzzle piece on this one. But uh, before we do that, though, uh, we just went and saw this yesterday. This uh, just came out. It's going to be a quick turnaround for us here on Piecing It Together. Uh, uh, but I, it's a big movie, though, so it's going to be fun to get to talk about it right away. A few notes. Yeah. A few notes. Uh, a lot of problems. Yeah. I, a lot of issues. I took issue with a lot of things yeah. in the film. I feel like we're going to be uh, the rare podcast that really kind of takes this movie down a little bit. Um, I everyone's, hope not. Everyone seems to be loving it. I, I hope not because I don't want to ruin the excitement for people. Yeah. I definitely have a bone to pick with the film, but at the same time, I I did enjoy it in right. a way, right? So, Me too. So I think the bones I have to pick, and I hope that's also, this, this time is the last time I say bone. Uh-huh. On this episode, well, uh, except for when you use the puzzle piece Bones, the television series. 
Ah, come on. Quit giving away my secrets. <laughs> uh, wait until later in the episode, Dave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> where the fuck was I? <laughs> I don't know. He just lost me. Uh, okay, so as far as problems with the film, I think from my perspective, it's as a uh, lover and studier of... I'm a student of the space race era and a a fan of it, a fan of the achievements, uh, a fan of not even, not even so much a fan of the individuals who were part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have any heroes from that. Uh, I think that the whole program as a whole, like is heroic to me. Right. right? It's, it's amazing how uh, we could, pull all these guys together, people who are, um, and, and girls, as we found out later, you know, recently, I guess, right. We've, we've most, the masses have discovered that, uh, women played a prominent role in the development of the program. Interesting that they wouldn't go there with the movie. Uh, well, that's, that's one of the many issues I took with it, uh, on top of the way they depicted race, as well, uh, uh, and by depiction, I mean ignoring it. This is a white and cast. It's a very white cast. It's it's a very white cast, and the few people of color you see are just like a quick shot, real quick. Oh, that that guy has a headset on. Sure, yeah. And then there you go. That's it. <laughs> until until later in the film, when there's a basically a montage sequence where. Wait, what? All of a sudden, it's like a bunch of a bunch of protest signs, like blah blah blah. So, I mean, just saying, just saying some kind of stale shit, right? And then right. Uh, a Gil Scott Heron character, yeah, who repeats the Whitey on the Moon speech, yeah, in a montage as they're going up the elevator on the Saturn rocket of the Apollo Eleven mission, right? right. So it's like. Wait, what? What the fuck are they doing? So, so all right, since since we're already talking about it, I'm going to get right to Puzzle sure. Piece 1. Go for which, it. Um, this might seem a little odd, but I saw it recently, and it hit me the same way. So, Suburbia, or Suburbicon. Which Suburb- one? Suburbicon. Suburbicon. The yeah, Matt not Damon, Suburbia, not the punk rock movie? movie from the 80s. No, right. Suburbicon, George okay. Clooney directed Matt Damon, uh, star. Um, that movie was... Terrible. Awful. It was pretty bad. But yeah. uh, the way they kind of were like, oh, racism as a side plot. Sure. And it doesn't turn into anything or pan out. And these aren't even people. They're just like a guy standing in, in First Man. It's just somebody that, oh, is that Gil Scott Harani? He's wearing the same sweater. <laughs> right, right. Right? Um, reciting that speech. Where is he? Who knows where he is? Just like a, oh, this is what's happening right now at this yeah, time yeah. in America. And it's just kind of a glimpse real quick as they're going up the elevator. Like, what is this? What is happening right now? You know? And, yeah, and yeah. it was kind of like that in Suburbicon where it's like this movie about a, you know. Bunch of shit. Kind of. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's about a bunch of shit, but it's kind of a, a Coen Brothers, like, uh, plan gone wrong type yeah. movie. Well, they it was originally their movie, and then George Clooney took the reins and went and made it and kind of ruined it. I'm sure it was probably a good script to begin with, but I don't know what he did with it. 
Um, it's goofy. Yeah. First man goofy. is not goofy like that. That's right. not that's not what I took. That's not how I got, you know what I mean? Uh yeah. Suburbicon in First Man. I just got the whole like racism as a side issue uh as a way to like pepper in sure. period piece uh just just kind of I don't know, it's a little, little offensive to me because yeah. uh especially since it's noticeable. It's yeah. really noticeable. It kind of stands out how, like you said, how white the cast is. Everybody's white, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, weird. You know? Well, yeah. Well, it's funny that that's a good one. And but aside from as an inspiration, also I see like a pretty big parallel. And this is my probably my biggest problem with the movie, um, which is why make this story? Why? 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 This story, why Neil Armstrong, why the the race to the moon, if he's pretty clearly trying to tell another story, which is, you know, dealing with uh, with grief and depression and all that stuff. And sure. um, and it's like, why tell this story? And then I, I that's a really good parallel there to Suburbicon, because I kind of felt the same way with that movie. It's like, why the hell did George Clooney make this movie? What <laughs> story know? was he trying to tell with? Yeah. It, right? Yeah. There there it. The first man does pull at you like that. Like, what story is this? Yeah. Like, what are they trying to say? Because they certainly, it certainly was not a space exploration movie, right. which they make it seem like it could be. Um, well, that's the weird thing about it is that the, the space exploration parts are the best parts of the movie, sure. but that's not what the movie is. It's just they happen to be there. And, you know? and I would also argue that while they are the best part of the movie, they're all kind of doing the same thing, which, may, sure. which it's not, it doesn't hold your interest by the end of the film. Right. Um, by the time Apollo is going up, you know, on the rocket, we're just like, okay, all right, yeah. this is this again. Yeah. You know, guy. Yeah. The first ones anything. were certainly the more exciting. Yeah. yeah. The first couple were really exciting, which uh, that, which actually reminded me more of uh, another puzzle piece, gravity, mm, okay. where the feeling I got, the feeling I got, watching gravity for the first time in 3d yeah uh which my first viewing was in 3d is what i mean to say uh, <laughs> it was mind-blowing it was yeah uh, it made me feel like i was in space with sandra bullock you know and, and yeah. um i really enjoyed that about it and i was hyping it hyping it oh my god went and saw it a second time expected it it was still awesome but i didn't have that feeling and right and i feel like at least with that movie, at least with Gravity, it took until the second viewing sure. to not feel that way. With First Man, by the end, by the time he Apollo is going to the moon, it was just like, eh, whatever. Right. You know, and um, there was also some really weird shit, like the music picked up in odd places. And uh, for instance, there's a scene, right? You remember the scene where uh, the lunar module's about to land, mm -hmm. right? It's about to land on. Uh, in the Sea of Tranquility, on the side of the Sea of Tranquility, right? And the music picks up, and it's this wide shot of, yeah. of it coming in, you know? And it's like... Total Spielberg. Yeah, Total like, Williams. It's yeah. Pictured the Jurassic Park song, you yeah. know? <laughs> and it's about to land, and then all of a sudden, like, the camera pans to the Sea of Tranquility, and the ship is not in view, and the music is still going, and nothing yeah. fucking happens. <laughs> and then it cuts to, like, inside the cockpit again. Like, wait... Yeah. What the fuck was that? Like, it was the weirdest <laughs> shot. It's a really weird shot. It, it's like it's trying to be this glory moment. You're thinking that fucker's about to land. Right. Right? Like, oh, shit, it's going to land, this music and everything. And all of a sudden, the camera 
uh, pans to the right and the limb is out, you know, Uh, Eagle is out of the shot. You know what I mean? The Eagle is out of the shot. Houston, the Eagle is no longer in the shot. And all of a sudden the music is still going and all of a sudden it just cuts like, what the yeah. fuck was that? And, and, uh, you know, five minutes later, the Eagle actually lands. <laughs> yeah. It wants to be the big heroic shot, but then it doesn't at the same time. And right. it's like, why, what, what, why, why go that way? Like, cause, you've... because uncle Steven <laughs> came on set and said, listen, baby, this is how you actually, actually have to pull this one up. Oh, that looks great. That looks great. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to kill it. That was a great uh, impression said, of Steven Spielberg, by the way. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's... that's uh, Been working on that? That's my impression of every Hollywood <laughs> jerk-off. <laughs> Listen, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe the baby has gone away in uh, recent months <laughs> but uh well you know I'll, I'll go with my first puzzle piece which uh kind of goes along with what you were just saying with gravity um except for it's a movie i didn't like and that is dunkirk uh we talked oh, about that right away geez. um i feel like half of the point of this movie it's certainly not the whole thing because like we said you know it's more about the characters uh, uh his grief and all that but the other half of the movie is about really putting you into these intense spaceship moments and stuff like that. And, you know, to varying degrees, it does work, especially in IMAX. So, I mean, if you're going to see this movie, see it in IMAX. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, I think all Dunkirk was, you know, it didn't even have characters or like anything explosions like that. And, there, and it was just large yeah, sets. It was just big, big, like intense scenes of flying, you know, the ships and stuff. Um, it was no saving private Ryan. No, absolutely not. Uh, which brings me to my next puzzle piece. No, <laughs> no, that one, that one. No, I didn't even think of that one. No, but uh, yeah, no. D- Dunkirk is a movie that I've railed against quite a lot since it came out. I do not understand why people like it. Um, but I guess if what you're it, it, for people who did like that kind of intense shot of you know being in the action, you know, I guess you'll find more of that here because it does seem like they're trying to capture that kind of thing. You feel. All of the, I want to say the physical pressure that they went through in this film, right? The physical pressure of being in the simulator, spinning you around. You feel that. Uh, You feel how claustrophobic the... uh, you know, the actual astronauts must have been, right? Like, how just how crazy it seems to just, oh, what the fuck? They're just really getting in this tiny little thing. They can't yeah. even move around. Like, they can look to their right. That's about it. It's like and then they can reach in front can. of them and push, yeah, push buttons with a tin cannon. Um, even those those capsules, like, you're, you're talking about uh, the Gemini capsules. Those were older, like the Apollo capsule had had this mylar film on the bottom that they could literally just kick their foot through and be in space. <laughs> uh yeah, well that's just how how it was. It had to be it's designed like crazy. that, right? And and you know, obviously weight restrictions and things and they're like, "Well, what could we cut?" And they're like, "Well, technically that never touches anything in this entire mission." So, we can make it just some mylar or whatever, right? Like, oh <laughs> shit, right? And, and and they could could if they were, you know, on a tight ship. Yeah, if you will, uh, they could, they could just stick their their uh, foot right through that shit if they weren't paying attention. But yeah, um, you know that's actually in a, in a different capsule. They we, they do end up in that in the end of this film. They end up in the lunar module. And but um, I I thought all of that stuff was pretty well done. 
all every anytime they're in the lunar module it's it it's like it's almost unique from how you've ever seen it but some might say unique in a bad way or unique in a good way unique in a bad way meaning it's not accurate like that's mm. not exactly what it looked like um and and you know we actually discussed some of the issues i had were how like the the historic accuracy of it right right uh yeah. it's not accurate um and 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 i had some severe problems with the the accuracy of it uh pertaining to the ship right pertaining to how um apollo 1 how those guys died in the film they show them going in and you even mentioned this to me after the film how they've spent a lot of time on the door right um and it seems that yeah because somebody told the director the door had something to do with why they were dead in there, right? Right. Like yeah. something happened with the door or whatever. The door is an important aspect of it, which it it was, but the way that the the door physically worked in the film was the opposite of how the actual door physically worked as a result of a a, a change to the mechanics of the door, which is what caused their death, essentially, right? right. Or, or or it participated in their death right they they may have been able to escape from apollo one had the door opened outward mm -hmm. which it did not it opened inward right so right. <clears throat> that's why they died because they couldn't get the door open with the pressure in there with from the fire because it opens inward you can't pull the door inward if there's a lot of pressure pushing it outward right right so they died because of that door and in the film they close the door out from out in so it's like wait what's weird and then they focus on the door like this door is how they died right. it's like well it's like someone handed him an article but he just read the headline right the headline and said the door is a big thing i feel like that was how they also uh just kind of cherry picked Mm -hmm. the race issues as well yeah. right it's like oh yeah there was uh, some racial tension at this point in history oh okay oh here's this poem or whatever yeah. that uh, this this guy wrote and well oh who was it gil scott haran we don't mention him by name but uh he did have a peculiar sweater on when he said it so we'll just get what if uh, he gets credit in the soundtrack um maybe yeah i should better <laughs> I wonder if that's part of the soundtrack. <laughs> the soundtrack album is just all scoring. Yeah, there's that like really weird like jazz music going with like orchestral shit in the background. Like, what? That doesn't even go together. And then it's a weird score. Uh, just Gil Scott Heron. Just, I can't pay my bills, but Whitey's on the moon or whatever. <laughs> I'm not even about to uh, do an impression of it. Yeah, I'll say that for another time. Sure. <laughs> so what's your Just watch uh, next... the movie, First Man, and you'll get, a, you'll get you an impression of it. What's your next puzzle piece? Um, okay, so I wanted to say um, Apollo 13 and the HBO miniseries From the Earth to the Moon. I wanted to say those badly. I want to say, yeah, this movie draws largely from those, but it doesn't in any way, um, in any way, shape, or form, where you could say Apollo 13, they had a perfect mix of um, the science and the, the technological feat that was the program yeah. on top of the drama, right? Like, shit, these people might die 
and they're in this tiny little thing and their family's back home tripping out, like what's going to happen? And they're able to pull that off right in that two hour film um, from the earth to the moon did a very similar thing, but over a extended series, miniseries, where they introduced the entire Gemini program as well as the entire Apollo program, mm -hmm. as well as all of the astronauts involved in that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it was like an ensemble cast uh, in which Neil Armstrong was just kind of like, huh? Tony Gwynn, right? Just Neil Armstrong was just kind of a side little character. He wasn't even that important of a piece to right. um, the whole program, right? And this film, First Man kind of takes... The Neil Armstrong was the only guy who could do it. Right. Approach. Yeah. He's the only guy in the program. And and it also takes a strange Ed White was his like daddy mentor character. Right. Whatever, right. Yeah, the yeah. big brother mentor. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, if you take a look at the entire program, which is what From the Earth to the Moon did, uh, it kind of doesn't, it doesn't put any of those people at the center of it it's all of them working together as a team which is which probably what it really was is exactly what it was and yeah. neil armstrong became the uh commander of 11 just kind of by luck in or of the draw of whoever like the the brass at nasa was like ah you know this guy's been looking good on his stats or whatever you know what i mean it's not like it's not like he was ordained right, right. he wasn't he wasn't born to be the apollo 11 fucking first man on the moon you know and he yeah. they all kicked butt they were all badasses neil armstrong was a badass but they were all badasses everyone yeah. in the program was a badass that's why they were there that's why it was like okay we'll put you in a ship and you get to go up and walk in space and the next mission we'll put you in a ship and you get to go you know fling yourself around the moon and take yeah. pictures and come back and they're like fucking go that fucking far like go yeah. six hundred thousand miles hell yes i'm gonna do that right yeah and so and at the same time it's all it's all really crazy happening to all these people it's it's happening you know, I don't know. Long story short, uh, it did not. It doesn't. It did not seem like First Man was inspired by either of those. So it's like an anti-puzzle piece. It's kind of an anti-puzzle piece, but yeah. it, it. You could also say it might have been inspired in the sense that that guy, the the young director, um, Damien Chazelle, saw both of those and said, "This is what I'm not going to do." Right, right. Right. And I'm not going to do any of that. They did that. They did that. They did that. Which if you look at either of those that I mentioned, they're both very historically accurate. Yeah. Um, down to the, to the actual build, like they're actually going over the plans and what did they build on Apollo 13? They rebuilt it right there with all the same exact shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like what you're seeing on the film is exactly what they did. Right. Whereas in first man, it's, probably not even right. close right we know like i said with the door it's we know that they didn't try to go for right. accuracy because that is totally a, a, a goof right there yeah because, yeah you know and um i won't even get into the explosion you know the boom explosion and sh i don't know i yeah. won't go there but what they did also get right though which i give them prop props for is the the actual dialogue spoken by the astronauts on the missions right uh, they, i did read that they nailed yeah. that shit to a t and i was very impressed not just the timbre but also 
the timing, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, of of how they do it, and just I don't know. I thought that was done very well. That's pretty cool. I, I think the sound department on this film was was brilliant. I yeah. really do. I think the sound department was brilliant. Not so much the scoring, not so much the soundtrack, but right. the uh, the the sound department, um, the foley and everything was great. Like all, all of it was. Yeah, I'd agree with that for um, sure. Pretty well, like it aided in you feeling the level of claustrophobia you do when they're in the cockpit. Yeah. So. I mean that is that was an achievement with the film, you know, and I think you know it had pretty good cinematography. I mean, the, all yeah. the shots are great. It Obviously, we great. saw it on IMAX. It looked yeah. great, right? Um, I don't know. So there was only one point where I noticed bad CG, and you didn't even notice it. So whatever, but yeah. um, it was also it, it just came at a part where there was also kind of a, a bad tropiness to it where I was like, oh man, they really with that shit. <laughs> so it was like bad CG and then a trope. Right. You know, I was right. like, oh shit, just fell right into the lap of it. Like um they're in the simulator where it spins you around in all these directions and it's like, you know, you stay level this out before you pass out. That's what you need to do. And yeah, yeah. He uh, you know, spoiler alert, he passes the fuck out. You yeah. know, I was like, okay, and you're probably thinking, though, as an audience member, and I know I was, I know you were, Dave, I know everyone in the theater was, oh, he's he's Neil Armstrong. He's the only one. He's ordained, as this movie has set it up to be. He, There's no fucking way he's going to pass out. And then he passes out. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. And then where do they go from there? They go to fucking, all right, next up, uh, no. I'm going again. Yeah. And and I'm just like, oh, geez. Like, in real life, you know, that's not, that never happened. Yeah. They're yeah. like, Armstrong, get the fuck out of there. You know what I'm saying? Get out of there. It's it's White's turn. You know what I mean? And like, all right. You know, no, no I'm going again. Bullshit. We are on a tight schedule here, sir. You hop your little ass out of the simulator and go vomit. You know, yeah. like, but, you know, of course, it being a film. They had to resort to, uh, yeah. No, I'm going again. Yeah, that's what heroes do. Yeah, that's heroes take charge. That's what heroes do for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my next puzzle piece actually re- going off of what you were just saying about about uh, Apollo 13 and from the Earth to the Moon being like kind of anti puzzle pieces, not what Damon Chazelle was trying to do. Um, that you know what I keep saying is that what he was trying to do was make this movie about a guy who uh, uh, is in the middle of this big, amazing event, um, but doesn't really feel it because of because of his grief and depression. Because of a tragedy. Yeah, all. because of a tragedy. Okay. So my next puzzle piece is actually Melancholia. From Lars von Trier. Oh, jeez. I did not see that movie. Okay, so yeah, basically a planet is about to smash into Earth, and um, everyone's going to die. But it's about Kirsten Dunst just not caring at all because she's depressed anyway, you know. And um, it's a good movie. It's a beautiful looking Who's movie. Film is that? Uh, Lars von Trier. Lars von Trier. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it's uh, it's a good movie. Um, but yeah, that that's that's what I think is happening here. I, I think I think that's the movie he wants to wanted to make. So it he's is, influenced by Lars von Trier. Yeah, uh, I could kind of see that. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I I couldn't peg it at first, right? When when I was watching it, like what the fuck? Obviously, I knew that the movie was, uh, for lack of a better word, disjointed. That's a word we 
use often to describe a movie where it was just bad pacing or whatever sure. bad bad like juxtaposition of this to that to this to that like what the fuck is happening like why yeah you know and and you know why is why has eight years gone by and his you know <laughs> yeah. newborn son has grown up but his yeah other son has the same age as his newborn son now or pretty, like, pretty what the great. hell is why do they all have the same haircuts for like eight years they never change their haircuts um i guess that's possible yeah i think so yeah you think so no you think they stuck to the same haircut for eight years yeah all why, of them why not and do you think that they're claire foy seems like she would wear that haircut anyway at all times She's kind of has that same haircut in uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. I uh, oh, is that who that is? Yeah, she's the new the new one, the one that's coming out next. The girl on the motorcycle or yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah, what is it called? Girl on the dragon the spider, motorcycle. The spider some spider web spider nest. Girl on the spider webs motorcycle. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Is something motorcycle? I think, uh-huh. or or am I just thinking of like she's on a motorcycle in the trailer? I think she is. Yeah. Okay, so girl on the motorcycle in the web. Uh, yes, of the that's spider. it. That's it. Well, she is not bad in the terrible The Crown. I never watched it. It's pretty bad. It's yeah. so boring. I mean, I <laughs> I can't I, imagine. I, I like history, it. and it's boring how they tell it. So yeah. it's it's she's not bad though. She's a good actor. She's got chops. She's believable as as a young queen, you know. And so it's it's cool. But it's also like, come on, man. She looks the part and she has a British accent. Like, of course, she's convincing to my dumbass right. as the queen, right? <laughs> so is she good? I mean, hey, yeah, she was even good in this movie. She was good in this sure, yeah, movie. Sure, yeah, absolutely. It was just a terrible character. Yeah. It was a terrible script. It was like a terrible role. Like, the, uh, she was always angry. Yeah. It's like really, she's always angry and upset, and that, yeah. I guess that's what how how women are depicted in films where it's like the white hero, the white male hero uh, that we know and love in American history has to be depicted as you know, oh, but yeah. he also has family troubles. Yeah, there's oh, and, there's something dark underneath, and, yeah. and his wife is just kind of like. Always complaining, always upset, but she's tough. Yeah. And it's just, Ooh, I right. like her. Yeah, right. <laughs> and she does an amazing job in playing that mm-hmm. character. Um, as an actor, yes, I mean, you just kick ass at whatever the director's telling you to do. You know what I mean? Sure. So, and, and even Gosling did that. And that was one of my, my pros of the film, mm-hmm. as opposed to cons. I thought the actors were good. Yeah. The yeah. acting was good. The actors were good. If anything, Kyle Chandler was a little much for me, but only because the director had him play Deke Slayton as a <laughs> as as kind of a like everything is going wrong character. Like yeah. he always had sad face on. The entire movie he had sad face, but the entire movie, everyone had fucking sad face. Yeah, uh, Neil Armstrong was sad man. The entire everyone's movie. a downer except his Buzz. wife uh, <laughs> was sad the entire time. You yeah. know, what I mean? like she's upset. Like always, like had kind of like a uh, uh, <laughs> look on their face, you know. And and uh, I'm sorry they made it home. 
they're alive there in the other room. <laughs> what? They're alive. They made it home. They did some dope shit. What are you talking about? Why does everyone look so upset? Oh, because everyone has family problems. Yeah. <laughs> everyone has a shithole family life, and it's the 60s, and we're not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> Shitty, though. We're not going to talk about it for 40 more years. And action. <laughs> I hate my life. I'm going to show it with my eyes, though. Uh, it was it was uh, it was very well acted. Yes, it was. It was well acted. There was some hammy parts yeah. uh, when um, t- speaking of Kyle Chandler, that's that's his name, right? Kyle yeah. Chandler, dude, Friday Night Lights guy. Yeah. Uh, he he just kind of explains the entire Apollo mission mm-hmm. on a chalkboard with a line oh, in yeah, a yeah. like. 10 second gag yeah it's kind of a sight gag like a 10 12 second sight gag and that's like oh okay so as if like one day all the apollo uh and gemini astronauts were like i don't know what i don't know what the fuck we're doing here but <laughs> let's get in there and and uh, get this explanation from the commander or whatever and then they go in there and the guy's like all right everybody so check it out this is what we're doing we are here. See this circle? This is Earth. See it? Okay. Draws line extending beyond chalkboard. Mm-hmm. Hey, guy, bring the other chalkboard over. Brings the other chalkboard over. Extends line to about six inches into that yeah. chalkboard. <laughs> Draw a smaller circle. That's where we're going, boys. Oh, hell, that's the entire program. <laughs> Cut. And it's like, what the fuck is that? Like, that's how they explain the, yeah. to to the moron audience member what the Apollo missions are all about. Like, we're here. We're going there. That's it. And it's as long as two one and a half chalkboards. That's yeah. as far as we're one going. One and a half specifically. One and one it's third chalkboard. Uh, so, like that the way they the way they do that, it was kind of a what the fuck. Uh, but uh, other than that, like that that. Now that you know, you mentioned it because I didn't even see it. I, I I wasn't even waiting for the well. I was waiting for the credits to bail. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, as soon as it's like I see kind of a font coming in, to, I'm out. I'm yeah, fucking gone. Done. I didn't even see it. And you were like, oh, it said executive producer Steven Spielberg. Yeah, that's, that I am eagle eyed. I wore my glasses that day. Right. <laughs> so that's that's when you look back and go, oh, that bullshit scene that was yeah Spielbergian. Totally. Listen, babe. Listen. <laughs> This is exactly how you pull this scene off, okay? You don't have to explain everything. Everyone's already seen Apollo 13, babe, okay? Everyone's seen From Earth to the Moon, all right? So they don't need any of that that explanation, but it has to be in the film because you have to tell everyone, oh, we're going from Gemini to Apollo. to. So we'll get the guy in there. We'll get who, who do we get? Deke Slayton. Everyone knows that name, Deke Slayton. Deke. Deke. He's got a name, Deke. All right, baby? So we bring, we, you know what I mean? We bring it. We bring Deacon and a couple of chalkboards. That's it, baby. It's a 10-second shot. That's all You're you golden. need. You're sold. You, don't, you know what? And, and it's it's over the shoulder. It's a classroom. Yeah. We could shoot it on the weekend. Kyle could come in. Nobody even has to even be in the room with him. Uh, it's implied the astronauts are in front of him. It's implied. And you think back, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, you know, there wasn't a fucking astronaut in that shot. Not a single one. There wasn't a classroom. It was just him in front of a chalkboard. Right. Yeah, that's economical shooting. Right it works. There. It works. Yeah. Before you go to your next puzzle piece, do you think I'm the only person in the world who refers to Cal Chandler as Cal Chandler from Super Eight? 
Probably. Yeah, most likely. Right. Kyle Chandler from Super 8. I guess that's, that's, a, that's, that's not where, a bad one for him. That's where I know to, him from. To, uh, to call never him watched from. Friday Night Lights. So. I never watched it either, but I know he's in it. I, I know him from um, Game Night. Oh yeah, yeah. He was in Game Night. That's and it's like, oh, that's recent. that guy. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a recent more when Game recent Night came out. Film. I was like, oh look, it's Kyle Chandler from Super Eight. It's yeah. a that's another shitty film, but we're getting way off. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> let's go to your next puzzle piece. How about that? <laughs> so, I I would have got to this before we got sidetracked, but in my discussion of uh, from Earth to the Moon and from the Earth to the Moon and Apollo thirteen, I was going to say um, I. I put those two together with the film, The Right Stuff, which was a book, mm. a Tom Wolfe book in uh, actually the year I was born, 1979. And, and they made it in a film in the eighties. Um, and it was a, a really good film. And it was also very strange. It was a weird type of movie where, um, I don't know. I think it won some Academy Awards. I'm not sure. It, I think it, it was definitely a claim, acclaimed film. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, the, it, did very well to kind of balance the the feelings of what was going on in the astronauts' minds mm-hmm. emotionally, as well as the physical struggle. Right? I think I think First Man had a pretty rough go at balancing that, but it was also trying to pull that off. Right? right. It was trying to pull off the balance between the emotional and physical struggle on the astronauts. However, it did it with Neil Armstrong at the center of all of it. Right. 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 Putting it all on him. Um, the right stuff kind of did that. All right. The right stuff almost took a John Glenn centric approach because Glenn was the hero of the Mercury missions. Like Armstrong was the hero of the Apollo missions. Right. Mm -hmm. John Glenn wasn't even that particularly special as far as his uh, or I wouldn't say special but as, as significant his mission wasn't as significant as you know Alan Shepard who was the first American in space right, right. so why do, why do we think of John Glenn and not Alan Shepard really I mean oh you're like oh yeah I've heard of Alan Shepard but you don't think of fucking no, Alan Shepard you definitely no. would think of John Glenn who you know later became a senator and all that and, and that the right stuff kind of took a John Glenn centric approach to it the way First Man takes a uh, Neil Armstrong-centric approach right. to the storytelling. But First Man does it. It goes way overboard by not even really telling you any of the other characters, any of the other astronauts. You you kind of know who Ed White is a little bit because he's like, you know, in this film, in First Man, he's Neil Armstrong's bestie. Yeah. You know, and I was like, well, he's the only guy who can really get through to Neil. Yeah. <laughs> but no. You know, like that, I don't think that was really the he's, reality. He's like best there. friend, older brother, and dad all rolled into yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that yeah. was a reality. <laughs> uh, I don't think that was their real relationship. Yeah, and and the film, of course, the film was inspired by a book, the biography written by Neil Armstrong's biographer, right? Who, when I look at a, a biopics like this, I have to look at it like, okay, well, this guy was hanging out with Neil Armstrong, what, and like the last like. 15 years of his life, maybe. Right. And, and, um, Neil Armstrong had already kind of worked all of these little tidbits of history into perfectly crafted stories, putting, him sure. In. You know, then he tells 
this guy that shit. He embellishes a little. Who doesn't? Uh, that guy then embellishes because he's writing a fucking book, yeah, right? Making a good and, book, and, and yeah, making a really good book. And and then the director who reads that book has to throw their like their directorial spin on it or whatever, right? And uh, then Spielberg comes in, right? And then <laughs> Spielberg comes in and is like, "Baby, look, this is how you shoot this shit." Right here. I I've been there, done that. It's good though. You're looking good, baby. <laughs> oh, I love this vest. You got to come by the pool house. <laughs> yeah, bring the kids. Oh, you don't have kids? How old are you? <laughs> you know, oh, you're 27 and you've already made three fucking major motion pictures? <laughs> How old is this guy? Dave Chappelle. What's his name? Dave LaChapelle. Dave LaChapelle. Dave LaChapelle. Yeah, he's 27. Damien Chazelle is 27. He's already yeah. made three, you're predicting, Oscar-nominated oh. yeah. uh, films, right? Yeah. He's already made two, and you're predicting yeah. this one is going to be nominated. If it does, I predict Claire Foy gets a nomination because, yeah, she's acting her ass off, and that's right. what, what the awards are really about, who's yeah. acting their ass off. She is extremely believable as an angry wife, right? Yeah. And she pulls it off, right? But you know, it's it just we. I don't think you or I enjoy those movies. Angry wife, hero, yeah, hero so guy, hero husband. Who it's okay to have a shitty home life. He's saving <laughs> America or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, and and that kind of shit They're doesn't just fool like you. you or I. It it fools a lot of people, but it doesn't fool you. Or I. Yeah, and, and uh, I don't know. Was that was that part of your puzzle? What, what, how did we get to that? I don't know. Uh, but at? yeah, I guess I'll go to right my next stuff. puzzle piece. Yeah, I think right we were stuff ending, was the ending last on one. right stuff. I, if you if you ever get a chance to watch it, man, watch it because it's not just in, very informative and very accurate to um, the program, but it's also kind of a cool film, like how they pull, how they balance the. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I ever did see the right stuff. I, I should watch it one of these days because I have heard really great things about it. It's good. It's old school, but it's good. Yeah, it's a good film. You know, right uh, sure. And it segues perfectly into uh, from the Earth to the Moon. And, yeah, you know, you could watch Apollo thirteen somewhere in there uh, if you want. Now, when this film comes out, you can even watch it. But that might even be weird because all of a sudden, like, where did all the other astronauts go? Right. It's just <laughs> Neil Armstrong. This movie is just about Neil Armstrong. Oh, yeah. that. Wait, I think. Why are they focusing on Who these is that? losers? Oh, that must be Roger Chaffee. <laughs> oh no, no, wait, because uh, Apollo One's gone and that actor's still there, so he's not. Who is? Wait, who the fuck is that guy supposed to be? Which <laughs> astronaut? I don't know. None of them look like any of them. So, it's odd. Ah, <laughs> uh, Dave. Pretty odd. Uh, so my next puzzle piece. Something I mentioned when we were walking out of the theater. Um, which is Flight and Sully. Um, and I, I was surprised they didn't go further into this, but with the whole, um, uh, you know, the government having the oversights and all that stuff, looking over everything they did and nitpicking Uh, and, you know, having to explain themselves and all, you know, all their failures within the, the mission and everything. I definitely expected more of that. It didn't go there, but still the little bits that were in there, uh, reminded me of the way those movies made you feel, you know, getting pissed off about all the, you know all the questioning and all that stuff and how they have to answer it for themselves when they're trying to do something big, you know, it's like, right. Like they don't really explain all of the pressures on them about the program. Like all right. of those other, other, uh, pieces like, uh, space mission films and 
miniseries I mentioned do so well. Yeah. This film does very poorly. It's like you have no idea what's really happening. Like the the fact that NASA was spending four percent of the budget. Yeah. You know, the the budget of the United States at four percent annually on this program and it was pissing a lot of people off um because there were failures. Yeah. There were deaths. Um not just Apollo one deaths, but they kind of depicted a bit in this film in First Man, but the deaths of two people who never even made it on the missions because they piloted some plane yeah. into the ground or something, right? You know what would have been a good Spielbergy type of a scene for them to do and they didn't would have been um showing the uh the accounts going up, the amount of money they're spending, like a montage uh, with like some upbeat track, you know, and just you know <laughs> <laughs> like it would have been so Spielberg and so perfect for like to at least give you some sense just like of insert what they're shots fading in and out from each other yeah, of like of checks for with and lots checks, of zeros yeah. and you know uh, yeah. yeah like you know just to give you some sense of oh there's like big stakes here you know um, like some kind of ragtimey song with yeah. like the sound of an old school cha-ching register you yeah. know like cha-ching yeah. you know yeah. oh yeah. shit with dollar a good, signs with a good stomp and... drum beat you know um I think I, I think I think they kind of mention it in in ways that um you notice it but they're not trying to make it part of the yeah the story really uh it's a, it's almost like all the different little things that they had to do right like the door or like the race issues or or civil rights or um you know anti-war protests or whatever you know going on at that time uh they're just kind of afterthoughts that yeah. somebody wrote down some notes. This is what was happening. Oh, okay. Well, how do we shoot that? Uh, I don't know. Just put a door on there. <laughs> right. How do we shoot that? I don't know. Uh, get a guy with the vest or with a cardigan, and put him on stage and yeah. we'll just kind of cut that and make him look at what, how do we, how do we do any of this stuff? Right. It's too many threads they had to try to There's balance at threads. once. And I, I just don't think that they picked the right ones to focus on the most. No. That's the problem. It's almost like they were like Forrest Gump and half of that shit in there, right? <laughs> <laughs> just like, wait, what? All of a sudden it's this point. Um, trying to show you maybe history a little bit, but it was it, it did a, a kind of a shitty job because nobody seemed to age. Yeah, that too. Uh, nobody seemed to age. So you didn't feel like anything, like time was going by. It seemed like as soon as he lands... Uh, you know, from the first mission, like a couple of weeks go by, and it's like, oh, Apollo Eleven time, like, uh, all right, you know, like, yeah, it's true. It really does seem like they never age. It seems like they right. just everything's just kind of happening, and could have been a couple months, like, right? Yeah, and then later we're like, oh my god, they were steadily angry like that for <laughs> eight years. It's a long time to be pissed off were, and upset. They were and... always angry and. This movie's kind of a downer when you think about it. It too is a much. little downer. Yeah. It was a little downer. Uh, the most exciting parts are when they get on the ships and yeah. everything. The whole movie theater is shaking. Yeah, everything's shaking, moving, and it's like holy shit. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'd die in there. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a scene where you there, you know, something goes wrong in the Gemini Eight, mm-hmm. right? And uh, if that were you or I or you and I in the cockpit together yeah. of that ship, we'd be fucking dead. Oh, definitely. There was no way that we would be able to make it. And you know that um, 
I don't know, like the liberties they took. I, I'm gonna look into that actually. But it, it, like, did that happen? Did, you know, kind of like the bracelet in the end. Did it happen? Right. Um, but had it happened, I think either of those astronauts would have been able to. You know, those pilots would have been able to probably the oh, the Earth's only hope. Yeah, yeah. The, the only people on the planet or off the planet. <laughs> Who would be able to actually, you know, correct from that, right? right? Be able yeah. to do it. And if it did happen, then they were the people who could correct, right? We prove sure. it. Like you or I would just be dead. That oh, fucking, yeah. oh my God. And the way they filmed that, that all of that was very exciting. Yeah. Um, it, I was starting to get dizzy from some of it. Like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. I felt like I was spinning in it. It makes, it makes you wish that he really was making a movie about the moon landing. Uh, right, <laughs> and that it's not a movie about all this other stuff. Right, all the glorious parts where all the ship, spaceship parts, and all of the landing sequences, and all of the technical mumbo jumbo, and yeah. those were all the most exciting parts. And um, that was about maybe fifteen percent of the movie. Sure, yeah, yeah. you know, fifteen percent of the movie is them just going up. And uh, keep in mind that remember they don't show any of the other missions you don't right. see any of that shit going on you just hear about oh successful blah you know and it's yeah. like oh okay great that, so they don't they don't really go into any of that you don't see any of it not even like cool like little two minute nugget yeah right like not even a montage right because none of the other gemini or apollo astronauts were important right none of them did shit the only one who did was Neil Armstrong and a wisecracking asshole, Buzz Aldrin, yeah. uh, who that's, and I say that because, not because he is a wisecracking asshole, but because that is how they depicted him in this film. Yes. They depicted Buzz Aldrin as just the guy who always says the wrong thing at the wrong time and nobody really likes him. And Neil Armstrong always looks at him like, you're a buffoon. <laughs> I'm Neil Armstrong. You are a buffoon. I'm a very stoic man, and you are not, <laughs> and I don't like opposites. They build up, they try to build up this, like, oh, wow, these guys are going to have some kind of boil over yeah. at some point in this film. Uh, every time Buzz speaks, he says something stupid, yeah. <laughs> and then Neil looks at him and says something brilliant. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit, at some point, <laughs> it's going to come down to, I don't think Buzz should be on this mission with me. And Buzz is like, I don't know, is Armstrong really the guy we need to command this mission? You know, like yeah. you think that something like that is about to happen, right? Yeah, it yeah. never does. And then when they're on the ship, they're buddies. Yeah. And oh, all right, no tension. These guys <laughs> are heroes. Well, they're not heroes. Right. Neil Armstrong Neil is a Armstrong. hero. Okay, Buzz Aldrin is just along for the ride. Um, I would even go as far as to say they emphasize, and there's been a lot of shit about, in the media anyway, about, oh, they don't show the flag. Oh, We're yeah. Not, I don't give a shit. Um, but a lot of people did, apparently, but only because they were told to. Yeah, right? of um, course. Yeah. If they, Had they seen this film before reading those headlines, they'd be like, what? Yeah. You know, because it's not, like, anti-american at all it's, it's not at all not it, even a little bit no not even a little bit um but they do emphasize buzz going 
is it all right for me to come down now? You know, I was yeah. like, what the hell are they doing to Buzz Aldrin, the second human on the fucking moon? You know what I mean? Like, why are they making him an asshole yeah. who does, who never says the right thing ever? Yeah. Right. And then when he's in the in uh, Apollo Eleven, landing on the moon, he's a entirely competent pilot. Yeah. Right. Co-pilot. And then he's doofus again. Uh-oh. Is it all right if I come down now there? There, Neil. You know, like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, it's a very, very strange choice. I, I, I Neil Armstrong is the only <laughs> fucking astronaut that matters. You get that right. You get that shit straight. That's what this movie pummels you with. Yeah. Neil fucking Armstrong is the only astronaut. It's like a, 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 a David Cross, what, what, uh, Mr. Show episode. Yeah, yeah. Neil Armstrong is the only astronaut. <laughs> But what a, what about Ed White? I fucking said Neil Armstrong is the only astronaut shoots face. Dead. Uh, okay, boss, but uh, uh, what about uh, uh, Buzz Aldrin? Shoots him dead. I said Neil Armstrong is the only astronaut. What part of that is... You ever see that skit? No, I haven't. Uh, I feel like that skit I, I, uh, is a puzzle piece in a way. That that yeah, skit, right? that that Mister Show skit. It's it's actually they're they're talking about what the highest number is. Uh-huh. And this mob boss and a bunch of goons are sitting in a room, and and he's just like, yeah, I, th- I don't remember the number, but I, I'm just gonna for shits and giggles. It's like, yeah, yeah, 19 is the highest number. And everyone in the room is like scared of him. You know, he's the fucking mob boss, right? And they're like, uh, boss, what about 20? You know, what I mean? shoots him. Like, oh my God. That's, that's, I feel like that inspired this film. Like, right. You know, like so, so, at somewhere along the line, um, the Spielberg being the mob boss yeah. in a room, right, at a development meeting was like, yeah, Neil Armstrong's the only. Uh... Oh no, no, what, what was it? Uh, Neil Armstrong is the only astronaut, baby. Yeah, there you go. all right, babe. <laughs> Neil Armstrong is the only astronaut, babe. Uh, Uncle Stephen, what about? No, no, Neil Armstrong is the only astronaut. You get Neil Armstrong, put him on the poster. <laughs> Ignore everything else. Neil fucking Armstrong. Uh, so what would your next uh, real puzzle piece be? Real puzzle piece? Mm. Every fucking cliche biopic where it's white guy is a national hero and uh, the entire film hinges on whether or not we accept his uh, horrible family life. Yeah, or or if it it makes him a bigger hero in our eyes, like yeah, right, yeah. like do we do we say, ah oh, man, this guy was kind of a a douchebag. Like, right. th- this film kind of makes Neil Armstrong look like he was just a robot. A robot, yeah. Dude is exactly a robot. He has right no word. emotions. He has a job to do. Yeah. He has no family. He does not have two children. Yeah. What made him a robot? I think this two-year-old child that died of brain cancer did. <laughs> well, remember, once once per decade, he picks his kids up and flies them around the room. Every right? so often, That's about it. he picks up his kid. <laughs> what is the children's name? The children's names. No what one, were no the children's knows. names? <laughs> what were his kids' names? I don't know. <laughs> Neil Armstrong is a robot in this movie. He doesn't seem to care about his family. There's a scene in the end where it's kind of like Terminator's now 
John Connor's dad, the thumbs up scene where like the robot Neil Armstrong finally figures out how to simulate human emotion <laughs> and lifts up his finger to touch his wife's fingers on the other side of the glass yeah. in quarantine. Credits roll. Yeah. What? So the the only <laughs> sign of um, humanity in the character is in the very end where he sort of lifts his finger up to touch the glass and then the credits roll. And even that, he didn't even really seem to care too much. It was more... Yeah, it was a, it was a very... Uh, fake smile for sure it seemed like it seemed like he thought that's what he should want and so he's doing it you know like k k armstrong yeah it's reminding me of k yeah it's true robot (laughs) no that's wrong i actually like that movie Eh, it's all right but uh yeah no every, every cliche biopic it's a good one and i actually had every cliche spielberg movie so i guess you could combine the two sure the, that yeah. works most yeah. of his cliche spielberg movies are kind of biopics right yeah How a, lot, a lot of them has he made a bunch for sure spielberg biopics um <laughs> really are we supposed to th- believe that johnny cash was a fucking hero man <laughs> right yeah. he's a Drunk, drug addict, kind of rude and mean to everybody because of his drug abuse, right? Yeah. And, oh, fuck, man, but that rang a fire. Yeah. That is one hell of a song. Well, you know what? Some people, they find redemption. Redemption. I <laughs> Hey, listen, I'm okay with redemption. I'm okay with redemption. I don't know. I mean, do you think that movie showed no. uh, Neil Armstrong? <laughs> Like redeeming himself? Do you think Apollo Eleven was redemption? We know that. I, I maybe the director knowing that he didn't stay with that his wife. Yeah, right. Maybe the director knowing that they got divorced is why he made it like ended it on like a. Ugh. Yeah, uh, we're all still upset. Yeah, because if it was too happy, it would have been kind of false. But like, you're a national hero now. You fucking step foot on. The, you're the only person who's ever been on the. Well, you and Buzz Aldrin, this the other guy. Yeah, uh, are the only two people to ever go to the moon. You're the first. The first. Should <laughs> uh, should have ended on a, a freeze frame of just uh, life is shit. <laughs> of, of Buzz and Neil, and Buzz is like a big smile, like arm in the air, like triumphant. And Neil just robot, just sad face robot, just staring at the camera. Uh, <laughs> so, so closure for Armstrong. Closure. Is there closure? I guess so. Okay, he has a kid. Uh, the entire motivation for Neil is his dead kid. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think about anything else. He doesn't give a fuck about his wife. Doesn't give a fuck about his other two kids. The only thing he ever cared about was his two-year-old Yeah, that died. Two-year-old that he never even heard speak. Right? <laughs> what, hey, I'm not saying you can't feel bad, but what I'm saying is your only motivation is that. Yeah. And you don't even give a shit about your family. Yeah. The people that are alive that are, you know, also suffering it's from pretty the loss. Weird. It's of pretty weird when you like stop and think about it. It's, it's, like... it's really weird. And never, never once is there any kind of closure to it. They make you believe there is going to be closure and, and it's sappy the whole way through, right? And they make you believe that he's 
he has closure when he's on the moon and and he throws the bracelet, his yeah. daughter's little bracelet, into the Sea of Tranquility. And then, no, because he gets home after being a fucking national hero and he's still pouty-faced. Yeah. His wife is still looking at him like, fuck. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you're just like, God. And then they're like, oh, you know, something's going to happen. Life just doesn't stop. You know? I'm going to lift my finger. <laughs> More like, I am going to lift my finger now onto the glass and then give you a half-crooked smile. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, David. David. Do you have any other puzzle pieces? No, but I'm going to fucking take a fat rip of this weed. <laughs> I am officially out of puzzle pieces. Listen, I want to I want to say that I did not hate First Man. Sure. Uh for all the shit I've been talking about it it's because it was i i didn't even have my hopes up yeah as somebody who is a big fan of the space race a big fan of the apollo the mercury through apollo missions i'm a big fan of that whole bit of history um this movie was a major letdown Uh, yeah for someone looking for drama though and for someone looking for kind of uh I guess like the sensual excitement of being in a big loud theater and feeling claustrophobic at the same time and feeling like you're going up in a rocket. Right. Then this movie's dope because that shit was cool. The 15% of this movie that had stuff like that in it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. It was very well done. Like they, even, even, uh, even though the ships and stuff were, I would say like 90%. Sure, sure. Maybe like 85, 90% out. Just those little details they left out. Yeah, there's some details they left out and a lot of stuff that they added, too. Sure, you know? sure. Um, the, the cockpit, for instance, was was made a little smaller, I would say. Like it was made like... When you're when they when they're establishing them getting into it, it's like, what? That the, what the fuck? And that's to make you feel like really understand the 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 intense feeling sure yeah it adds to that inside a tiny little thing especially for like a week or whatever right and and uh that's cool but um (laughs) you want to hit this (laughs) actually i i had two more to mention real quick before we wrap it up um puzzle pieces yeah i'll put them together actually puzzle pieces two more puzzle pieces that was uh, Interstellar and oh, shit. 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, which they kind of go hand in hand because Interstellar is kind of uh, his 2001 in a lot of ways, you know? Um, inter- wait, you're saying Interstellar is Chris Nolan's 2001? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, Just try this big, huge, epic space thing, like... The that, psychedelic that, ending, sure. Psychedelic ending, sure. and and just trying to encompass just you know, just like the the largeness of of the universe and all that, and what what could be, you know. It's interesting you mention two thousand one. First of all, it's important to know that that movie screened 
before Apollo 11 landed on the fucking moon. I know it's it's okay. freaking crazy. We were talking about that actually. We did a breaking it apart episode on on 2001. We were talking about that and how just mind blowing that is. Uh, um, it's you know I mean he he used a lot of stuff from all of the most like current science fiction artists and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it was heavily inspired by science especially the spinning spaceship sure to create artificial gravity right yeah um that's kind of like an idea like how do we create gravity oh we spin this fucking large thing around the thing really <laughs> fast and yeah. it, like, uh, they could probably do it i don't know i really don't know no. i mean they could figure out how to slingshot around the moon you know what i mean <laughs> they figure out how to bounce off of the moon and come back and like what the fuck crazy I, yeah it's really weird um but not really. It's science, you know. Yeah, they got it all. They got it all figured down to, uh, you know, exactly where they're going to be at what time and all this shit. And like, you think the Apollo ships are, you know, capable of running two processes at the same time? If they command it to do more than two things at once, it will shut down and they have to restart the whole thing from scratch, right? So it's this really intense old school computer where sure. it can't do a bunch of processes like our computers can today. Right. Yeah. Definitely can be recording a podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and all of that stuff is based on all of the, you know, the physics of their trajectory and like how fast they're going and where, where, what direction. And, uh, it's very impressive when you think about it. It really is. And they, they got a lot of that a lot of those ideas kind of right. And remember the, the missions have been going for a while when they started making 2001. Sure. You know, the space race was already. Yeah. It started. Yeah. Just, oh, it's yeah. almost not almost over, but right. Uh, it was almost over by yeah. the time the movie came out, you know, I mean the early seventies when they. When oh, yeah. they uh, Let me run down real quick before we do our final wrap up. Um, uh, the finished puzzle, all the movies we talked about. Uh, we talked about Suburbicon, Dunkirk, Gravity, Melancholia, Flight, Sully, uh, The Right Stuff, Apollo 13. But did we from talk Earth about Sully moon. and Flight? We didn't really talk about Sully and Flight. We kind of got into it for like a minute, you know? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> every cliche biopic, every Spielberg movie, 2001, and Interstellar. Right. So yeah, I mean we we've been talking about the whole time about our kind of overview, but any uh you know any last things you wanted to mention about it about First Man? Yeah, about overall First Man. Um, no, I think I pretty much covered it. It's it's not a film I hate. I, right. I even though I I I'm probably not very being very convincing right now because <laughs> I've just been shitting on it. I know it's not. It's just really weird. It is it's weird that it's so. It's done so poorly. It's so half-assed, but it's still a marvel in a way. Like exactly. It still feels right. Like it feels like physically, like it, the, the sound was done well. The acting is good. The cinematography is good. It's just like, what the fuck were they yeah. going for with this movie? Like, yeah. were they going for a uh, sad man? Yeah. I, or, I really think that Chazelle wanted to make a different movie. He wanted to make a movie about a guy who can't can't uh process the the big amazing thing he's a part of. And then just kind of just shoved Neil Armstrong into it and said, "Why not why not make it Neil Armstrong?" And then like 
found his way into this first man story, you know? Um, I don't think it's what he set out to do. I really don't. And I think it shows. I think some people might think, because obviously this movie's getting a lot of raves. I think a lot of people do think it worked. Um, because I, it's got a lot of tri- fanciness know. to it. That, yeah. that is tricky. Yeah. The acting is good. Yeah. That tricks a lot of people. That'll pull them in if it's like they're convincing. As well, it's like a hard movie to salary. pull off, too, so it's impressive, you know? The cinematography is good. Oh, yeah. It looks great. The the sound effects and shit are good. Yeah. Score, you know, not so much. The score is weird. Yeah. There's, like, the triumphant bits were good, even though, like you were saying earlier, they, like, very strangely used, but they were, I, I would imagine they'd be good on their own. Um, But then some of, like, just the regular underscore I found was, like, really kind of overpowering, like kind of jazzy almost in a weird way. Like, I don't know. It just didn't yeah. quite fit. It's like he had a, a couple of, the director had a couple of tracks left in his Dropbox <laughs> yeah. that he didn't use on La La Land. It was the and same was composer like, too. Oh fuck, let's yeah. use that shit. Yeah. And, and they just, <laughs> yeah, that'll go there. Yeah, it's cool. And nobody yeah, else And And uh, maybe it was a bad mix too. That's possible, possible. Be- because the, the first time I saw The Force Awakens, I was like, God, the sound was garbage. Mm-hmm. And I realized it was a bad mix of whatever version I saw because I, I have the soundtrack and I'm like, this is actually pretty cool. I like these themes. I like this. I like that. And it, it's, it, it might just be the mix of sure. uh, whatever that was in the theater. Maybe it came out. Did we see it? We didn't see it opening weekend, did we? Is this opening weekend? Yeah, it, it was. Opened? Thursday, Friday? Friday? Yeah, Thursday, open Friday? Thursday, Friday. And we saw it uh, Sunday. Sunday. So, all right. Is it not possible that they rushed it out and it's a bad mix or something? It's like, possible. I, I I'm just trying to wonder, like, why was it? Why did it seem so weird? We both noticed it and we're sound guys, so it's like, yeah, why was that so weird? You know, it almost feels like, um, especially that team of uh, Chazelle and and his composer. I forget what his name is. Justin something, but um, Justin Long, <laughs> yeah, Justin Long making the music and from I, Tusk. I, I almost feel like like maybe they're a little cocky and they're like, well, we can do whatever the fuck we want. We're the La La Land guys, you know, and like let's just make the music however the hell we want it to be, you know. But they're just overdid it, you know. I learned I learned that lesson when we did uh, when Black Camaro did Hang Glider. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah. Um, that was a soundtrack to a movie, uh-huh. and I mixed the. F- I made the first mix of the movie. <laughs> so, like looking back, I'm like, oh my god, because I watched it. It premiered at the Palms with my mix, and I was like, oh my god, this is embarrassing. It's, <laughs> it's all like my my music is all over the place, and I'm just like throwing my shit in the weirdest spots. And uh, we had this party after it was a, uh, an after party. Uh, there was an after party at some hotel, I don't even remember, and we were up in the suite, and one of the actors of the film was, was like, so who are you guys? And we're like, oh, we, we did the soundtrack. And he's like, oh, it was cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. I see what you guys were going for. It was, uh, you know, like weird music and shit, making it kind of goofy, and uh, it was just like weird. But yeah, I got it. I, I think I get it, yeah. And we we're just like, oh my God, it was bad, right? That guy is like, I think I understand why there was clock sounds. Well, you know. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, the movie kind of felt like that to me. It felt like like there, it was a bad mix. Like it was like some somebody thinking they were hot shit. Yeah, you know, trying to like narrate the film with their stupid ass sound <laughs> shit. Like why the why was that sound on the shot where the fucking limb is out of the out of the shot? Like the camera pans out. Yeah, right. It pans. It 
it's like this the the limb is coming in right and and it's about to land and then the camera pans away from it yeah music <laughs> what the fuck is happening right now like yeah. <laughs> there's nothing happening in this shot it's a fucking moon with nothing on it and glorious music happening it's pretty freaking it's, weird it's the landing sequence and then it cuts what the fuck so yeah uh, if there's any last thing to say i didn't hate it yes i didn't <laughs> i didn't hate it either i think we're all on the, the same page all the shit i could say I, I would maybe watch it one more time just to see if I was right about it. Right? right like, right. ah, does it, do I pick up on the same shit or do I get it? Because sometimes I will, uh, I'll, I will watch a movie critically the first time. And then yeah. um, the second time I watch it, I'm like, yeah, just kind of let it in a little bit. You know, based on your criticism specifically, I feel like you might even like it better the second time just because you'll know that it's, the, oh, it's, it's the, the fake Neil Armstrong story. Right. You know, and like, know that's what it is going in. Um, Maybe you'll end up liking it more. Sure. I just wish that all the best parts weren't, you know, explored by a dude in front of a chalkboard for two seconds. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, you know, I want to, you can explain it a little better. You know what I mean? You can explain no. why these guys are doing what they're doing. You could explain the challenges. You could explain the fact that every step along the way is some brand new shit right. that they are inventing. That is just like, ah, that's what the movie should have been. We don't fucking die. Yeah. There was one scene in the end where I think they also pulled it off kind of shittily, right? Where it's like, you go fucking tell your kids that you might die. Like, yeah, they don't even know. They think you're a hero or whatever. Like, and, and they're, it's like, Oh, that's the first time. The only time in the movie where like, they really show that it's like, you know, they do make one mention, the balsa wood. Oh, your boys uh, yeah. building ships out of balsa wood. And it's mm. like, eh, I did say mylar, but <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, that's not all it is. It's like these guys who are creating, this um this marvel this 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 national feat right uh, this this achievement that they're making up as they go and they're throwing the these like scientists who were also daredevils basically yeah on rocket ships into space to prove to the world that yeah we can do this and this and this and each mission is contingent um upon whether or not it succeeds like the, if they can't go into space on this you know 250 million dollar fucking mission or whatever it was and and flip the spaceship around and lock it into this little hole in space then all the all of the subsequent missions are fucking failure like we aren't going to be able to get there unless we can do this right and and like you said the the uh congressional hearings and like proving to congress that all these these billions of dollars are spending on this program are worth it, right? Yeah. Uh, cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. You know, every time they go up in one of these things yeah. in a rocket, and 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 like I said, just some of the missions, like Gemini Eight, was just to prove that you could dock in space, and they fucking did, right? And it's like if that didn't happen, if they couldn't prove you could dock in space, which notably was Neil Armstrong who did it, but. It, they the film frames it like oh that was the only important thing about it right and that right. led to this and then of course they dock and apollo and it's like oh docking docking and they make a big deal out of two men docking 
<laughs> anyway, uh, I just thought of that for a second. Jesus uh. Christ. Um, so, fuck, where was I going with that, Dave? I don't know. Help me. Something, something Help about me. docking. That's all I know. Docking <laughs> is uh, not recommended. But if you're into it, fuck it. Literally. We're okay with docking around here. I'm all right with docking. I, I, it just seems painful to me. That's all. Painful. Like, it seems painful. Yeah, you know how I know that it's uh, about time for us to wrap it up? Because we're talking about docking? No, actually, I was going to say your cat was laying totally straight, and it's just slowly turned. It's like a clock. You're, you're, it's like oh, a, I got yeah. you. <laughs> kitty cat clock. Yeah, it's like a kitty cat clock. So, Brian Garth, you got anything you want to plug? Um... Anything I'd like to plug? Uh, I am in a band called Black Camaro, and we have a Instagram account, Black Camaro Music, at Black Camaro Music, right? And we are endeavoring to create an album of Instagram hits known as Instajams. Nice. I would like people to check the hashtag InstajamLV. Right? That's right. Uh, for those pieces. Also, Dave, you are participating in the uh, Insta Jams yes, as am. well. I missed this Friday, but I will be back this Friday with my third one. We, uh, we just also finished up mixing and mastering our new LP, yeah. Protocol of Dreams. So we have been absent from the Insta Jams, but we already have, I think, four up. There's four Insta Jams up now. Insta Jams, for those of you listening, are one minute due to the file length limits of Instagram. Right. One minute length songs that are complete songs from beginning to end in one minute or less time. They are not necessarily to be one four minute song broken into four pieces. Right. And, oh, boo, boo, this is a fucking four piece song, man. No. <laughs> that, I mean, you can do that anywhere. You can, you can do that on fucking SoundCloud, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the point is that Instagram is the most ludicrous <laughs> way to release music. So we're doing it that way. Uh, it's kind of a jab at people that are like putting their shit on cassette now. Like, oh, hey, cassette. But Insta Instagram makes it like really shittier because all you get is one minute. Yeah. And it's possibly the worst way to provide music to people. They have to go and find it on Instagram, which means they have to have Instagram. Then like, how do they, like, how do they listen to it on headphones and shit? Like, and then to top it off, you can't even download it unless you're really savvy. And like, you know, you can pull it up on your desktop and run it into your computer and do all sorts of stupid shit just to get somebody's one minute long song. Nobody's going to do that. On top of that, Apple devices, iOS devices, rather, will only upload mono so files. Stupid. Well, it's stupid on part of Instagram for sure. That's yeah. inst the fault of Instagram, not Apple, but it sucks that it's Apple because of an old Apple protocol of, you know, having the one mono speaker and mic on it. And, um, you know, when you record a voice memo on an iPhone, it's mono. Mm -hmm. And then what would happen is you would upload it to a stereo website and then it would be on the left only. Right, and it sounds yeah, stupid yeah. as shit. So um, Instagram is like, oh, we're going to put it, put them both on the, you know, we're going to sum so it into stupid. a mono mix uh, automatically because it's coming from iOS and they do that. We don't want it to be on the left. So from 
fucking, I don't know, i7 on, iPhone 7 on, it's been stereo, but they haven't changed their algorithm, their upload algorithm, right? It just says iOS, mono. I'm blaming Apple. Right, blame blame Apple. You can blame Instagram all you want. But anyway, long story short, uh, Black Camaro's rocking the InstaJam, hashtag InstaJam LV for Las Vegas. Uh, We're trying to collect all Las Vegas artists insta jams in one place and then hashtag insta jam bc insta jam rather hashtag bc insta jam right isn't that right BC. i'm not sure I, I think bc insta jam is yeah. our personal tag and then i have one that i'm not even going to share that if you find it in the insta jam lv you're lucky it's a <laughs> it's my own private insta jam album my own personal not private but uh-huh. personal Insta Jam album, independent of Black Camaro, that is based solely on the book Plato's Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, each song will represent a part of each book in Plato's Republic. So um, by the end, you should get, being 10 books, you should get anywhere from 35 to 50 songs. It's pretty awesome. And, and, One and, minute in length or shorter. And that's an Instagram exclusive artist right not just yes. yeah not just album but artist instagram exclusive artist for now yeah. i would go i would say that once it's done mm-hmm. it'll probably be somewhere else as sure you know i'm not going to just let all that work go to fucking total waste you know <laughs> it's one thing to it's one thing to share the work with others yeah you could waste it that way but when you put all of your ass into your own thing yeah. and every little bit of it is you doing it it's almost like why right. why waste it like that and I, I I think it's funny to do it this way, and yeah. it's it's like challenge for people. It's fun too. It's the jam it, challenge. Yeah, it's kind of fun just to try to make a song that fits in there. It's just a right, little, you know, and put it out. And for us, it's it's almost a a lead up to the promotional phase of our album release. Sure, right. So we didn't have an Instagram before. I had my own, but we didn't have one as a band. And you know, now that we're the album is done that we've been working on for years. We're starting up, you know. Yeah, sure. Be a little bit more like, oh yeah, yeah. Social media. Remember friendly. us, guys. Yeah, remember us. We're yeah. This is a picture from two thousand four. <laughs> here, here I am in oh five. <laughs> uh, here's the badass song from oh seven. <laughs> um, now we're talking about me too much, so let's <laughs> fucking end this shit. I'll, I'll cut it somewhere. Don't Sweet. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Sonny. I'm Kev. And together we present There Will Be Geek, a compendium and magazine of all the nonsense you can possibly eat about pop culture. There's like a bomb duck to a toilet. And on toilet paper it says, boom, you're dead. How do you not like that? Two podcasts a month. Just going back to the rib removal to blow yourself in, it always concerns celebrities who would in no way ever need to give themselves a blowjob. If Clint Howard removed a rib to blow himself, I can understand that because who the f*** would? So come along. You can find us on iTunes, Lipsin, SoundCloud, Facebook, www.therewillbegeek.com. Have a listen. Alright, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brian Garth about First Man, and make sure you check out our Insta Jams on Instagram. That's hashtag InstaJamLV, and you can find both of our Insta Jams. So uh, make sure you go check out First Man. 
Let us know what you thought about the episode. We'd love to hear if there's any puzzle pieces you think we left out or anything like that. Um, and we also want to just hear what you're thinking about the show overall. So get in touch. You can get in touch on Twitter at PiecingPod. You could join the Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. Or you could always just email me directly, bydavidrosen at gmail.com. So that's it for this week. I will... Uh, Leave you guys with a piece of music, probably something spacey, because you know I like to uh, theme it up, but I don't know. How about The Void? I think I've played that before, but it fits the theme, right? So yeah, we'll, we'll leave you with The Void from my most recent album, A Different Kind of Dream, and we'll be back next week with two episodes, and the week after that with two episodes. We're going to really fill out the uh, end of October with a whole lot of piecing it together, so I hope you're enjoying the show, and we will talk to you guys soon.
and all points west.